theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Good morning, Dr. Joy. Good morning, Dr. Amy. How are you today? I am eager to talk to some more students during our show today. It has been really exciting to highlight the educational journeys of some of our students. We've talked to our commencement speakers and in the previous episodes, we've talked to other students who've had interesting roundabout journeys at Governor State University. And I believe you said atypical is typical at GSU. And I love that we can highlight that and we can really talk about that and tell our listeners that GSU is the place for you, especially if you are on a non-traditional pathway. Yes, so I'm excited to talk to our two guests today. Uh, They are both first-generation candidates, and we know that there are some uniqueness about the first-generation candidates. I myself was a first-generation candidate, so I can relate to their experiences, so I am looking forward to our guest today. I'm so excited. They're so very, they're so different, but they're so, they're not unique to GSU, right? I want to say they're unique. They're unique individuals, but they're not unique to GSU. No, not at all. But what I love is that each GSU student has an individual story, and each story is for sure unique. Brenda Ayala is 23 years old, and I mention that because she, that is part of her identity as a first-generation college student. She's currently an education major at GSU, and the oldest of three, the first in her family to go to college. She graduated from Bloom High School in 2016 and attended Prairie State College before coming to GSU, where she is now on the path to finishing her bachelor's degree. Dave McManus is a non-traditional gentleman who used to be a mechanic (laughs) and still is. And he became a mechanic through a community college And we'll be asking you about your experience with general education courses, because sometimes that's the stopping point for a lot of students. Dave is married with three children, a Boy Scout leader, and felt that to be very rewarding in ways that his job might not have fulfilled him. 
After his boys finished the Boy Scouts, he wanted to become an elementary teacher. And his oldest son is also at GSU studying to be a history teacher. So we have lots of stories to share today. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having us. Hi, Brenda and Dave. How are you? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Thank you very much for letting me be a part of it. I'm really excited about this. You know, I was telling Dr. Amy, I say you all are so unique individuals, but when we think about it, you're not really, your situation is not unique to Governor State University. Right. But I am going to enjoy this conversation. I don't even know where to begin. So let's, let's just get started. We're going to talk about you being first generation students. There's some uniqueness about that. I was a first generation student. And I recall that, you know, I went to a college preparatory school of all schools. I went to a really good high school in the Chicago area. And so I knew I wanted to go to college. My mother, you know, that's one of the things she always said, you know, you're going to college. There was no stopping after high school. So I didn't know what else do you do after high school? You go to college. Right. And many of my friends, they had applied and got accepted into Ivy League schools because we were at a college preparatory high school. And I filled out a couple of applications, didn't really know what I was doing when I got accepted into some schools. I had no idea how I was going to afford it. How would I move? How would I do any of those things? Long story short, I ended up at a community college. And I did my first two years at a community college because I was not ready beyond academics. So I want to hear from you all. Do you identify with being a first-generation college student, the first one in your family to go to college? And what's that that like for you? Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said. I know that, like, for me personally, when I – because I was always expected to go to college, I feel like when I started off at a community college, it was almost – like, it took me back a little bit. Like I had planned on going to a four-year university because I had always excelled academically and I never thought about finances. So when I first started off at a community college, I have to admit, I was a little bit discouraged and I definitely feel different about that now. But in the beginning, it was something that was a little bit of a bump in the road for me, for sure. I know how you feel because I actually felt a little embarrassed and a little embarrassed to tell my friends that were at these large four-year universities And I remember standing in that financial aid line and getting my counseling from the other people that were in line, not from an advisor. What was it like for you, Dave? I guess I'm a little bit different, but when I was in high school back in the 90s, I never identified myself with a student that would go to college. I never even really felt that was a path for me. I never thought it was really a possibility for me, as weird as it may sound. I never really felt smart enough to go to college and just going into the working class and becoming a mechanic was just the path. I don't say it was expected, but it was just the path that I was on. I never really felt identified as a college student. So I never really went to college in that way. And when I did go to that junior college level, all I took was the, the automotive vocational classes any of those other classes that were, were part of the degree I didn't really get into and just took the classes required that would be for the automotive side. Well, what brought you to where you are now? How did that journey change? What really spoke to you and, and tell us how you got here? Well, I love being a mechanic and I definitely identify with mechanic and 
forever. You know, it's just part of me. I wanted to be a mechanic since I was probably eight years old playing with Hot Wheels cars. So that was just who I am on some level. I think there was two major things because I thought about this question a little bit. In 2007, I got in a really bad motorcycle accident to the point where it was a possibility where I wouldn't be able to work anymore. And it really, it, it really was, kind of, I don't want to say it was a wake up call, that might be kind of bold, but it's, it, it changed the way my wife thought that if something happened to me, her husband, Dave, what would she do? Because at that time she was a hairstylist, which was good, but it wouldn't be enough to support all of us. So she actually went back to school to become a teacher. During that time, I got into Boy Scouts, the Boy Scout program. I have three sons and, you know, they started at first grade and went all the way to, to seniors in high school. So it's like 12 years of scouting experience. And me being a leader for those boys and just watching them grow and being a mentor. And God, I got so much meaning out of that, so much depth to that. And I don't know if, if at some point in your life, you just feel like, you wonder what difference you are making and you want your life to be one that makes a difference in a positive way for people's lives. And I just felt so much reward from the scouting program that I really wanted to go back to school and, and make that a part of my life. And I, I don't know if, if that would have felt like a possibility to me if my wife didn't just do it. I really think that she kind of blazed the trail for me and opened that open that door to say that this is possible for someone at 35, 40 years old to go back to school and become a teacher. So partly because of her and, you know, that scouting movement and, and being a father to my sons, it's just what I really felt called to do for, you know, after that, all that happened. I love what you said about being called to do something, because I do think that teaching is a calling and Brenda, I think you've shared with us before. Could you share with our audience what drew you to the education program? Yeah, so I, I grew up kind of like Dave with being a mechanic. I grew up knowing I wanted to be a teacher. So I remember as young as maybe, I'm the oldest of three. So my sister is now 18 and my brother's 15. So we're a few years apart. And I remember when I would have my old workbooks from like fourth, fifth grade, I would sit my siblings down and I would try to make them, yeah, like I would be their teacher. So I would have them with like second grade math or whatever pertained to them. And I would have a classroom. I had my own whiteboard and everything. Like I was ready to teach. But then I guess I got to my junior, senior year of high school. And I feel like everybody told me don't do it. And it was coming from a lot of people who I considered role models, a lot of um, teachers, principals, educators, a lot of people saying that, or just adults in general, that the money wasn't there, that the job was going to be very difficult, that teachers didn't get appreciated the way they should. And it got to me. I was a nursing major for two years. So I was, uh, yeah, I was a CNA. I was doing my clinicals and I was just like, this is not, this is not for me. This is not what I want to do. So I went back to taking um, education courses and within those education courses, I felt a lot happier. I started to feel like, okay, this is where I belong. Like I'm doing the right thing. I was looking forward to going to school and being in classroom settings. And it just kind of affirmed that for me that I was back on the right track. So Brenda, we have something in common. I started off wanting to be a nurse and studying to be a nurse and education called me. So it wasn't something that I was looking for. Like Dave, I was educating my, my children. So I started homeschooling and education really found me. I fell in love with education. I want to talk about your preparedness for this journey. Let's talk about academic and financial preparedness. I 
think that I was, I felt like I was academically prepared for college. I obviously wasn't financially prepared because my parents saved zero money for me to go to college. I guess they thought it was just an extension of public school or something that you just go. And it, and it wasn't. So talk about your preparedness both academically and financially. So for me personally, um, I graduated from Bloom High School and they have a program where they call it ECI. I think it's called Early College Initiative. And because I had a pretty high GPA and decent grades, and I think it was also based off of our ACT score, I think, yes, our ACT score, I was offered a couple free classes at Prairie State. So the Bloom paid for them, and I was able to take like the basics, communication, psychology, sociology at no cost to me. And that saved, that was the first time I think, cause we got a bill at home that said how much it was, but it said, you know, we didn't know anything. And I think that was the first wake up call for my family. And we were like thousands of dollars for two classes. Like, where did this come from? You know? And I think that was when I started to realize, cause at that point, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little spoiled. I didn't have a job as a senior in high school. I hadn't worked or anything. So I think that was when I was like, oh, I need to get to work because there's no way my parents are going to be able to pay for this by themselves while still maintaining everything at home. I have two other siblings who, for all of us, I think it's expected or it's just the norm that we go to college. So I'm like, I I don't know how we're supposed to do this. So for sure, I feel like academically I was ready, but financially I had no idea what I was getting into. How about you, Dave? I know that you didn't think that you were college material. When did you realize that you were actually college material and were you financially prepared for this road? A couple of things though, being such an older student, I don't have SAT scores and none of my high school really grades transferred over. So they had me take the compass test. And I think I scored so low mathematically that I was in like the most basic math class in junior college and literally learning four plus four, like that's the bottom where I was. And it was humbling, it was frustrating, but I just trusted the process. And it was a journey, you know, because college algebra would be the only class that actually counts for my degree. And I believe there was four math classes I had to take to even get to college algebra. So it was a long journey. And at times it did become frustrating. So academically, I definitely wasn't prepared for that. Financially, I was really surprised on all of the financial support that was offered through like the Pell Grant and some other scholarships, being an older student and also being a first time college that my parents didn't go to college. This was offered that I just, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of. And I was just really impressed by the financial support that I was able to have in going back to school. And Brenda, I just want to say, I love your story of you teaching your brothers and sisters with a whiteboard. That is a beautiful (laughs) story. I love that. Thanks. Thanks. I was definitely ready. I knew that I wanted to teach and I, I not to throw Dave under the bus, but he just did a math lesson not that long ago that I heard was awesome for our lesson plan. So clearly we've come a long way, both of us. So that's pretty awesome. Imagine that teaching math, Dave. It, it actually has become one of my favorite subjects. I probably because I've been so I spend so much time with it, but it, yeah, it actually has. So it's really cool. That's amazing. But let's talk about challenges for a moment. You've, like you said, have a wake up call, and then you were surprised also with some of the grants and opportunities available. But I'm sure there's still that gap that 
part that doesn't get paid and those surprising bills, were there some semesters in which it was a, a real concern? And maybe you were worried about being able to continue, Brenda or Dave? Yeah, I for sure, there was times where, um, because I was paying for most of, up until this, the semester before this one, I paid everything out of pocket. And yet there was times where I definitely thought maybe this is not, like, I don't think I can keep up. When you're paying six grand a semester and on top of that paying your phone, your car, your insurance, your, it's just like, it all starts adding up. And it was getting to the point where all of my money was going straight to school. And sometimes I found myself kind of panicking, like, okay, I, I don't know where I'm going to come up with extra money to do this. And I was a waitress. So we also have our slow seasons where, you know, in the wintertime, people aren't really coming out to eat as much and you're not making as much money and you don't have like a set income. When I started serving, we made $4 an hour. So I had to come up with the rest by myself. And I'm very grateful for that job because it was, I feel like serving is a great way to make a lot of money. But there were definitely times where I thought that it was getting to be too much. And I questioned whether or not I should keep going. And I was kind of afraid to take a break because I was scared that I would get discouraged and not want to go back after taking a break. So I took it slow and I ended up when that happened, instead of giving up, which I thought about, I would just take maybe two classes at a time. It was all I could afford, but I felt like it was better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, definitely, even with the support, it was a, it was a lot. And I was working less now as well. I, did, I wasn't working 40 hours a week anymore. I was working less time. So there wasn't... Uh, um, always a lot of money to help with. I'm really blessed because the people that I work for is an independent shop and they've been very supportive with me going back to school and working with my schedule and my parents, my parents, you know, here I am 45 years old and my parents are helping me through school, which is kind of a funny thing, but I, it would be tough to do without them. It would really be tough to do without them. So that's, that's great. So do you think your parents get it now because when you were starting it was like they had no clue about this journey that you were going to take especially financially you think your parents get it now and i'm also interested in brenda how this has impacted the path for your siblings how you think this is your journey is going to impact their path and dave for your children how do you think that your journey will impact your your children brenda we can start you can start with you Sure. Yeah. I, so my sister, like I said, she's 18. She actually graduates in, I think two weeks. And I feel almost like it's my responsibility to kind of push her towards the right direction. She's kind of, she's a great student. She was, she's like top of her class. She's awesome. But again, she's faced with the difficulties of like, okay, well now what? Like she got accepted into all these schools, but because of, again, like our financial situation, she's going to start off at a um, junior college. And I feel like she's not as embarrassed as I was, I guess I could say, because she's like, oh, well, my sister did it. You know, that's just, that's just how we do it. That's just what we have to do. But I've definitely been pushing her in, in the ways of like, okay, I know how to fill out financial aid now. Let me help you. Like, let's do this together. I know where we can look for scholarships. Like, let's see what they have, especially because she's going to the same schools I did. And I'm like, oh, I know what, you know, what counselors you can go talk to, go see so-and-so in this office and they can help you. And I feel like it's making a really big difference. Having somebody that you know, that you can ask those questions that you feel are stupid questions, I think makes a really big difference. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, Brenna. Definitely. Because the, the financial aid and the FAFSA, I mean, that's an overwhelming, scary thing to even 
think about when you're already unsure about the whole thing. You know, as far as my sons, obviously I have an older son who's at Governor State right now pursuing secondary education in history. And I also, my middle son, Wyatt, he's at Kankakee Community College pursuing an associate's degree in manufacturing, fabrication, and welding. And where I felt my journey has made a difference in his life was then when we're signing up for the counselor and they say, well, there's two ways we can do this. You can just take the classes that are required to get your welding certificate, or you can take the whole degree and have a degree in manufacturing and fabrication. And that obviously a degree is a little bit more than those certificates. And I think if I hadn't started this journey or been on this journey, he probably just like me back in 1995 would have just chose the classes that he needed and moved on. And I think now because I've gone to school that he can now appreciate that degree a little bit deeper than just the certificates to get the job done. Like now the degree has more meaning to him than, than, than it would normally. I want to know about this journey that you're on to be a teacher specifically. How do you think this path that you've taken will impact you or how is it impacting you as a pre-service teacher and as a future teacher? That's a really good question. I feel like it gives you a little bit more understanding for those students that, that feel like college isn't for them. Like you start to get an appreciation or at least an understanding of where they're coming from. And it, I feel like it helps you with encouraging students and students knowing that you come from a background where you questioned it yourself because you hear from your educators all the time. Same, I guess, like with your parents, you know, okay, after, you know, high school, you go to college and this is what you do. Um, but being able to present help and different options for students, especially those who are first generations and don't have those role models, I feel really lucky to be able to provide that kind of support and advice for students who I can say, hey, I've gone through something similar and look, like it's possible, here we are, and I can help you get there. I just, you know, the 15 hours observation for my, our diversity class, and I observed a first grade class and I am so excited about teaching. Like, I cannot wait. It, it, I, I told the teacher, I said, you are living my dream. I want this every day. This is so much fun. And I am so excited about this path. And they're, they're at the junior college level, you know, you're taking your prerequisites and all those required classes. So the tangibility of education just wasn't there yet. You know, you're just not there. But now at Governor State, taking the education classes and observing classes, you feel that, that it's getting closer and you feel that more tangibility with education and you're getting closer to those students that you, you so want to be a part of their lives and, and you so and you just and I'm so excited I just I mean we were playing at recess and we're running around it was a blast I had so much fun and oh. I can't wait I can't wait I love your passion I remember when I was teaching in middle school I just felt like I, I can't believe that I get paid for doing this. Didn't get paid a lot, but you know, I just had that feeling. I can't believe that I get paid for doing this. It brought so much joy. But we are talking to Brenda Ayala, and Brenda is a 23-year-old, somewhat traditional student, because Brenda, I know you always couldn't go full-time. You couldn't take as many courses as you wanted. So a little slower pace. And then we're talking to Dave, Dave McManus. And Dave, you are, you have three children and a wife. 
and you are making a career change. Amy and I both made career changes, so it is totally doable. You know, I have a question because you talked about you can't wait to teach. So we got to get through student teaching. And this could be a little daunting for most candidates. How are you feeling about being prepared financially to student teach? This is the time where you're spending an entire semester, you know, working full time for free. You know, and oftentimes you're the first one there and the last one to leave. How are you feeling about going into student teaching? It's definitely nerve-wracking a little bit. I'm not going to lie and say sometimes when it's brought up in classes, I'll have that mini like panic and I kind of just push it down. I'm like, okay, let's just not think about that yet because I, I have a lot to stress about as it is. So let's not worry about that quite yet. But it definitely is still in the back of my mind. I guess the only thing I can think of is now that I'm on summer break is I just got to work as much as I can, save up the money. And hopefully, like Dave said, I have a great support system with my parents. I know that I can always, I mean, they know what's coming and I know what's coming and we're a little bit more prepared this time around. So I feel like it's definitely something that's a little bit easier, but I'm just really, really excited to get there. It seems crazy to think that we'll have our own classrooms one day especially because right now we're just observing and we're just kind of like learning, going through the motions. But even though we won't be getting paid for that, I think it's going to be so rewarding that I don't, I'm not too stressed about it. I'm really, really excited for student teaching. Yeah, I agree with Brenda. It's like a fine line between super excited and totally terrified <laughs> because financially it's, it's something to think about. Like I have three boys, a house, a wife, cars, vehicles, a lawn to mow, all that stuff has to get done still. So it's going to be a challenge financially, but just like with Brenda, we've been preparing for it. My parents have been preparing for it. My boss has been preparing for it. Everybody is preparing for it. And I just have such a great support system that I'm so blessed to have. And yeah, <laughs> just like Brenda. Is, like your boss is your boss prepared for finding a new mechanic? Yeah, we've been, we've been actually working on that currently, trying to find someone because I'm going to have to train them. So I'll have to train them to take my position when I leave. So yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting position to be in. Yeah, I feel like I, so I run, I work at a breakfast place and I started there five years ago as a host and I'm the general manager there now. And I don't know if you feel this way, Dave, but it's almost bittersweet. Like you're so excited to get started with your career and to teach and you know, this is where you're meant to be. But leaving a job where you've been for so long, and especially when it's such good people and it's what you're used to, it's almost a little intimidating having to train who's going to take over, you know? So I, I do, that, that's a good segue into who are your champions? Where do you get your support from? For me, I think my biggest support system is my family and my boyfriend, definitely. They're my biggest supporters in everything I do. And even when things got tough financially, my boyfriend has a million times, although I've said no every time because I'm kind of stubborn and I like to do things myself, but he, every time I've been so close to being like, you know, this is too much money. I don't think I can do it. He's always been willing to be like either my support financially. And when I reject that, he's always my emotional support because he's been to college and he gets it. I feel like that's one of the biggest plus sides that I, I don't get with my family. They don't necessarily understand even when I do something well, you know, and I'm excited to share that with somebody. I'm like, wow, my lesson plan went great. And to my parents, that's just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, it's just like another project to them. Being able to share my accomplishments with my boyfriend and somebody who understands what that's like, he's my biggest cheerleader. And I'm super appreciative for that. 
Yeah, definitely family. My wife, like I said, just like with you, they understand what it was like to go back to school, what a lesson plan is and what, what student teaching is and how that can be scary and exciting at the same time. So my wife, my boys have been fantastic. I also have some, some amazing friends that have just been supporting me all along. One who's a teacher and is who's always there championing me to go to school. So that's very cool. And I'm just, just blessed to have them. It's such a support system. Couldn't do it without them. Absolutely. I want to know if there is some advice that you might share with other first-generation college students or career changers to help ensure their success and connectedness and belonging at the university. So I, I, starting off at Prairie State, um, I feel like junior college is a little bit different. I definitely felt a little bit more... I guess isolated, I should say, kind of like Dave mentioned earlier, you're not yet in your education courses. They're just gen ed. So you're just in a mix with students who are doing all types of things. And I didn't really feel connected to any of them, I guess. And so coming to Governor State this semester and meeting everybody in my cohort was interesting. In the beginning, I was very shy because I was not used to making those connections with students in my classes. So we have like a big group text where we can reach out for help. And it took me like three months to finally join that because I was like, I don't know, I don't know these people, you know? So I guess my biggest advice would be definitely to make those connections with the people in your classes. I am so excited that the rest of my educational career will be with these people. The people in our cohort are awesome. Like they're super helpful, so encouraging. They make classes go by so much faster, it's easier. And you definitely learn so much from each other. So if there's one thing that I would say is to kind of try to break out of your comfort zone a little bit and try to reach out to your classmates, you'd be surprised. A lot of us are in the same boat and it truly makes a difference. Yeah, I definitely agree with Brenda. She said it perfectly that once we got in education classes and we connected with those individuals and knowing that these are going to be the same friends, students that are going to go with you across the stage, it's, it's, it's a it has a, a good belonging to it, a group, and um, it definitely makes a big difference. It definitely makes a big difference. Another thing I would say is so often, I, like I said, you know, I thought it was about being smart enough. Like I just never felt smart enough. Like that was a big thing, a big hurdle for me to get over. And what I realized is it wasn't about being smart enough. It was about hard work and about caring, caring about what you're doing and and knowing that what you're doing is going to make a difference. That, that's really what it was about. And it wasn't really about smart enough. That was never really something that came to mind. It was just about hard work and caring about what you're doing and knowing that that's going to make a difference positively in students' lives. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hearing some commonalities about grit. And that's what both of you have, is you have this endurance, you have this grit to succeed in spite of your circumstances. So I'm so glad that you guys like open that window, widen your horizons to really reach your dreams. I can't wait until you guys are teachers. Amy and I were always looking for solutions. How can we be better? How can we improve? We actually did a podcast with someone, I think it's called 1% Better. So we're always looking for how can we be better? What can Governor State University and other universities do better to support people like you? That's kind of a, a little bit of a tricky question, only because I feel like in order to help us, we have to be willing to help ourselves a little bit. We have to kind of push ourselves out of that comfort zone too. 
I know we talked about this in like the pre-interview about how Governor State hosted, I think it was some type of event for first-generation students. I think that stuff like that is great, especially if it would be brought up maybe in, in our classes, you know, maybe professors got an email or they mentioned it into, in their classroom settings, like, hey, this is available, maybe you guys should check it out, because it's a little bit hard for students, I think, to take that first step by themselves. But creating those type of events where you see, where you're in a room with people who are just like you, I think is so helpful because this, the scariest part about all of this, I think, is feeling like you're alone or you're the only one going through these things. So those type of events or icebreaker type of events, I think would be super helpful for students in the same position. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly, Brenna. That was perfect because I thought about this question too. And and it took me a while to, to think about it. And it kind of came to me the other day and it wasn't about the support that my 47 year old self necessarily needed, but it was definitely the support that my 16 year old, 16 year old self was looking for. Cause, cause that was the me that didn't feel that college was for me, that didn't feel smart enough and, and was af and afraid. And I don't know what kind of outreach that governor state does at high school level, but but reaching those students that are in that place and letting them know that, that college is a possibility for them and knowing that GSU is there to support them in any way, that they're not alone, that, that, that this college supports you. And I think that makes a big difference because I was just some kid in Mokina, you know, who grew up, but I, I think in students in more vulnerable communities probably feel that 10 times more that college might not be for them. So definitely a type of outreach or those, those uh, things like Brenda said, where you, know, you get together and you realize you're not alone in this. There are other students that feel the way you do and, and the GSU is there to support you. Yeah, and, and we do have a lot of support systems around first generation. There's funding and scholarships as you, as you know. I think what one of the things that I'm hearing and that we will take with us is that it needs to be more visible and we need to make that advertisement multiple times. I think I'm going to start wearing my first generation pin <laughs> and hopefully someone like you will come up to me and we can chat. Yeah, like I, I've got emails, but I feel like emails are for, for people like us, I guess maybe first generation students or even shy first generation students, emails are kind of easy to ignore. You know, you're just like, oh, okay, another event. I don't want to go to that. But I've had people come up to me on campus. And I feel like those are the people that kind of hook me a little bit more because it's different when you have somebody face to face, like, hey, are, are you a first generation student? And now you're just like, okay, well, you know, I'll continue the conversation. Yeah, I am, you know, and that kind of introduces you to that person. And it kind of gets your attention a little bit easier than I guess just like an email or a new, like a newsletter or something like that. Right, because you get so many emails. Yes. <laughs> and it's that personal connection that you're talking about and becoming teachers. I mean, you're going to be in a classroom with students who may have been just like you or who will be that 16 year old self who need that encouragement. Yes, you can do this. And so I encourage you to stay connected no matter where your path leads you, stay connected to GSU because those partnerships, those connections with the schools that you will be in is what helps pave the path for students in your classroom. Thank you so very much for being with us today. This has been eye-opening for me. Thank and I've, I've enjoyed this so much. I look forward to 
watching you walk across the stage. I will be there when that happens. And congratulations on this and making it this far in your journey. And I wish you the best in your continued path. Yeah. And I'm looking forward, I'm going to be the person that sends you that congratulatory email. Here's your professional educator license. So make us proud. Thank you for that one. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I really uh, appreciate being a part of this. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to receive that. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you. Our listeners, did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.